right when I stopped you, you were saying something about I used to have dreads. Yep. What were you saying? So that was how we used to get backstage when we were on tour. Um, we'd travel around and obviously we'd want to meet the band and all the uh all the perks that went along backstage. So you say when we were on tour, you we were, were in on a band. Sound. You were in a band? No, I was not, but I was always traveling with like a band of brothers and sisters like that I didn't so know. So y'all would just say you were with sound? You would just say we were in sound? We were on yeah. tour. Yeah. Did you have like a little yan- lanyard, a little name tag that says sound guy or something? No. You no. just totally just make it you up. You normally had a, like a wristband. Okay. Well, your, your wrist would be have a bunch of wristbands from all the festivals of the summer. Gotcha. And so you just kind of walked by. You didn't make eye contact with them. Mm-hmm. If they said, who are you? you know, we're with sound. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We're and with sound. Worked, you know, that's good. We're with sound. We normally had a book bag full of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we did. Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Hey guys, are you interested in starting a tribe in your area. If you are, you've got to come to Midlothian, Virginia, just outside of Richmond on April 22nd. April 22nd is a Saturday and we are putting on tribe launch training. It's going to be held at Swift Creek Presbyterian Church here in Midlothian, Virginia. And we have got a whole team of Men's Alliance guys here waiting to show you how to start a tribe in your area. We are going to go through every aspect of how we do our workouts, how we do our real world devotions, our creed, our motto, our coin, our patch. We are going to walk you through the whole process, give you our tips, our lessons learned, our best practices. We're going to eat great food together. We're going to have fun hanging out and doing some great outdoor workouts together. But you are going to walk away from here absolutely ready totally prepared to start a tribe in your neighborhood or at your home church. So come on out April 22nd. Let me tell you, you go to mensalliancetribe.com, click on launch training. It's mensalliancetribe.com slash launch training. Go there and register. It's a free event. We're even going to feed you. All you have to do is get yourself here. Register so we know you're coming and we can get you a t-shirt ready. We're excited about doing this all of the North Carolina tribes that are currently out there came from this event last year. So we know this event works. We've already got 26 men registered. We can't wait to see how God is going to use it this year and where he is going to spread the men's Alliance fire to next. So maybe that's your area. Come on out April 22nd. Welcome to the men's Alliance podcast. I'm Dave Mills, call sign goose. Dusty Parker, call sign Shadow. Todd Johnson, call sign Baller. Baller. Nice. Awesome, man. Welcome. Glad you're here with us. We've been, um, you know, chatting before we started recording here, having our coffee and um, and talking a little bit with with Baller. 
uh been wanting to get you on the show for a while uh but really we just want you to share your story about um where you were in life and um your your testimony right just yeah. how, how you came to um find jesus and find men's alliance and how'd you get from where you are to where you're sitting today all right so i think my journey obviously goes back to 1983 when i was born <laughs> so i'm 39 years old um we went to church when i uh grew up in florida we moved to virginia in 1993 we stopped going to church and i think uh the farther you know time progressed the farther i got away from uh the church and from god yeah uh, things happened uh as i was growing up um one of the most impactful things i think was the first day i got uh first day i had alcohol um how old were you i was in seventh grade and uh i got abused by a male um <clears throat> and it's i think because of that experience um i masked a lot of emotions and feelings uh, with drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. kind of try to re-identify um as a different person sometimes i go by nicknames uh really taking that as almost like a um superhero type of thing you know mm -hmm. we would uh, i would say we <laughs> um i would go on you know tour during the summers would follow the the members of the grateful dead um would go by nicknames sometimes i'd have you know three people just like this sitting in a circle you know you would know me as Dooley. he would know me as todd he would know me as forrest you know everyone's talking yeah. about me but they didn't know they were all talking about this guy yeah mm. so i think that was a way of uh personing myself to give confidence um and masking um kind of a lot of insecurities that i had and i think following the lord you know i've become more uh i've never felt more secure and i felt this and i've said this around the fire um never felt more secure in my life secure in who you are exactly <clears throat> and a life without drugs yeah. you know turning to the lord for answers mm -hmm. you know not um you know some pot or some alcohol um, cocaine lsd wow. name it so how did you get you talked about the grateful dead how did that how'd you start getting into following them around like first show was 2000 at hampton <clears throat> it was also the first time i tripped on acid so how old so, were you there? You were about 17. I didn't really see Jesus, but I had some, you know, come to Jesus type moments. Like, man, where are all these hippies coming from? I love the scene. The feeling um, was very euphoric, obviously, with the psychedelics. Yeah. And um, was kind of hooked ever since. And I always kind of felt like my soul would need an uplifting. And that uplifting meant going to a dead show. And typically that means taking some acid, you know, or mushrooms mm -hmm. or MDMA. Okay. So, or, or both. So you go to your first show, you're about 17. Um, you know, things in life are not going well, right? You're trying, you, you have a lot going on that you're trying to mask, um, yeah. that are not going well. And then man, you go to a great show, right? Like you said, it uplifted you, mm -hmm. right? That's a, that's a great way to describe it. It's like a, it's like a temporary high right going yeah. to a great concert uh, made you forget about everything and so i'm guessing you just wanted to keep that feeling going right yeah get as much more of that as you could so what you started following them everywhere yeah and that's one of the um 
one of the things I think that uh, people know about people that are deadheads, they understand every show is different, but to feel that feeling from the night before you need to go the next day because there's no time like the present. Mm. So you're always trying to, you know, have that experience over and over. Sometimes it's achievable, but more than likely the show stops, the tour stops. And sometimes you're just left like what just happened, you know? Mm. Um, it took me a long time to figure out that my happiness in life was following um, and going to these shows, you know, and it took me a long time to be content with my life, knowing really just the contentment with myself. How many, um, how long did you do this with the dead? Probably six to eight years on and off. Wow. Um, one summer, you know, I just went, I hitchhiked around. Um, I was tired of driving people and things around that you can't be responsible for. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know what their last names are, let alone what's in their book bag. Mm. And for people without jobs um, to survive, like we, you know, we sold, you know, water, we sold beer, we sold drugs, uh, we sold grilled cheese. <laughs> About how many shows would you estimate? I'm sure you probably don't know. About how many shows do you think you've been to? Hundred, hundreds um, of, of of just the the Grateful Dead. It's hard. It's hard to put a number on it. Okay, hundreds. Um, yeah, multiple hundreds. Okay, wow. Because you have local shows, you have regional shows, mm -hmm. you have cover bands, you have the live members. But I never saw the Grateful Dead, so I have only seen really reincarnations of it. But I really like Bob Weir. I followed Rat Dog pretty hard. Um, from 2002 to probably 2006. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, and you talked about hitchhiking. Where all did you hitchhike? Was this all over America or just the state or? Yeah. And you just followed where the band played. And there's a group of travelers that go from show to show. So you, you know, you get in a van with, um, you know, I was pretty young. So normally I try to find a cute little girl. Typically I had dreadlocks. She had dreadlocks because <laughs> <laughs> you knew they were authentic and they bit, had been around because um, it's pretty tough to learn the, the rules of the road and how to get around. Um, so if you had dreadlocks, it was like, I know what's up. Yeah. Well, they like to say I was heady. You know, okay. you were heady. You know? <laughs> okay. So funny. Yep. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the rules of the road? How do you, how do you do this? Um, typically, uh, you know, any hotel, what you have is, you know, first floor, if you're ever driving on the road, if you need a clean bathroom, go to a hotel. They have the cleanest lobbies. They mm -hmm. always have coffee. They always have tea. They always have water. If you go in the mornings, uh, any choice free hotel, breakfast. any choice hotels gives you free breakfast. So you always got free food. You know, you can stock up cereal and stuff um, to take with you as well. Um, you start going to the fancier hotels they can kind of sniff you out pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stick with Makes the holiday sense. ends. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. They're okay. not just not looking at you, but they can literally smell you out. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard um, little, little bits and pieces here, but I'm, I don't know the whole story here. Um, what about, what about camping in national forest? How does this play in? Oh, um, there's a group called the rainbows. Okay. There's a group of, fans this is a like groupies uh, subculture okay and 
with the rainbows, it's not what we think of right now, like a LGBT group. It's not that, um, there is that kind of activity that, that goes along with it. I mean, there are hippies and it's just, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Free love, love. free love. <laughs> um, but a, they a typically, lot a lot of tie dye. Yeah. So they have the rainbows are, um, you're basically like you have tribes and they're communes. And so all these tribes from all over the country, every July 4th, they pick a spot in the country and they meet and they, they have a couple camps, you know, anything visible by the road, they would call a camp. And that is where majority of the people set up. And then you would have there, you're allowed to have alcohol, you know, there's drug use and stuff like that. The farther you go into the woods, and I'm talking backpacking and 15, 20, 30 miles into the national forest, you know, you have separate groups that are camping there and they're camping there for solid month, you know, maybe two months. Um, wow. Doing like, well, they're not doing drugs. Some, sometimes no, some, the, the people that are back in there, not necessarily. What's the difference? And when I say, What's the difference? And when I like say drugs, I'm. Okay, they might be they might be taking some LSD. They yeah. might be in everyone would have a dinner. So you would make spaghetti. So everybody holds hands before dinner. They kind of say the blessing in their own way. Um, yeah. what I did find was that there was a deep religion uh, being thrown around. A lot of Jew there's a lot of Jewish people hmm. within that um in that community, but they would hold hands and you know, you never know what was put in that spaghetti. <laughs> Yeah. All of a sudden you just like, like, man, I've seen the sun rise and drop like three times and I haven't been to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. man. So the people that live further into the woods, is it like a ranking system or it's just, just people who don't want to be partying or are they like, there actually is a council Yeah. that they elect and a mayor. Yeah. Uptown. So if things happen, which things do happen, um, if they need to kick somebody out, yeah, like solve disputes. Somebody stole my yeah. oregano. Somebody jumped into it. <laughs> you know, somebody jumped into a tent that didn't have permission. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on, um, and they've got to handle it. So they kind of police themselves, and you know, if they have to kick people out. They'll yeah. physically remove. You know, so whoever the people, was the people that aren't so into partying, they're, they're the ones that, li that live further into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. They want a little more and so peace the, and quiet. And two, if if the authorities showed up, they're going to catch the drinkers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. People living a little bit more open. They're going to yeah. catch a camp. A camp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never I've never done anything like what you're describing. Um, I would totally be the 30 miles back. Yeah. Group. <laughs> yeah. A camp <laughs> sounds like the suckers. Yeah. 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 The ones that live in, they sound like they know what's up. So you like, typically you go in, you'd spend a day maybe with a camp and then you get out of there. Yeah. You know, you go have a little bit of fun. You have some, you have some drinks. So where do they get they're, all their food from these well, guys that are out there for months? And that's funny you say that. Cause there's no, uh, currency is not passed around. Everything right. is barter system. Right. People bring things in and donate things. Um, and you trade things. Every now and then, people go to what they call Babylon, which is the grocery store into town. They come back and, and they they just trade things. And people, there's enough food, and it gets passed around. Um, I'm with them on that name, 
yeah. going into town is becoming much more like going into Babylon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So not- is this still happening? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Is it just a summertime thing? July 4th is the national. And you have, um, like I said, the, na- the tribes the national? is where everybody from the country un- unites. Yeah. And everyone, it's a, it's like a month-long camp out. Where is that? So they meet for two weeks, set up. They have their celebration for July 4th. Then they break down and they clean up for two week, two or three weeks, you know, until everything is. So they're patriotic. To an extent, you know. July 4th. They're living the American dream. <laughs> yeah. you know? Freedom. Where do they meet? Where does this happen? Uh, every every year is different. The year mm-hmm. I went was West Virginia. It was, um, what was it, two thousand three? Or there was a, it was like one hundred fifty years, but it was the closest that uh, they had this gathering to Washington D.C. Wow! And so people would all over be you know. How many people are we talking about? Uh, like thousands? Yeah, hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh wow! Holy cow! Okay, I am intrigued. And, and and like if there's a hundred thousand, are we talking in one national park or it, yeah. across tons of different? Yeah, it's all parks? concentrated. Oh, okay. and then when it's done, they all go back to their own communes, you know. And people are live; they live off grid. Are they Same live in off of, grid like year round, or yeah. is this mm-hmm. this is year round? You know. So this is like a full time gig for some of these people. It is, and part of the scene, you know, is uh, that California marijuana growers. So you got people that are used to living outdoors on top of mountains, growing pot, you know, I bet you there's a, I bet you there's a full industry for, I mean, I'm just hearing you say this and I'm like, well, this is an opportunity to make money. There's gotta be a full industry of people that take the stuff that those people want to, to get acquire (laughs) trade for whatever and, and follow them around just to, just to sell this stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I think the Democratic National Committee. And I don't want to get political, but um, really, they're starting to. Uh, <clears throat> when I went was two thousand three, and that was when um, I remember walking in and seeing a lot of videos about the conspiracy theories of nine eleven. Those were some of the first videos that I saw of uh, document, you know, videos that labeled out people um, putting out their argument that these towers were, you know, brought down with. Uh, by demolition, right. you know, mm-hmm. that Bush, you know, had an interest. The only way to get the insurance money because of the asbestos was a terrorist act. Yeah. You know, and they start connecting all this stuff. So you think there's uh political parties involved in trying to just like maybe obtain the vote of this massive subculture of a hundred thousand people. Well, not just the rainbows, but I would yeah. say the counterculture. Yeah. Um, they're now, um, setting up voting booths at concerts when you're walking out of a concert signing up people to to register to vote mm-hmm. they're going to music festivals and they have these booths um and so where's the you know where so there's a lot of opportunist they're like hey here's a hundred thousand people let's go get them to vote let's go sell them things you know whatever our our current you know agenda is maybe we can you know tap into this group of uh, people right yeah and I would, it's pretty easy to label majority of them liberals, young, free spirits, mm-hmm. you know, nine out of 10 times they're going to vote, you know, it's the people that you see with the, you know, uh, suburbans with coexist and Bernie Sanders on the back of them. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, they can coexist with everybody in the world except for a Christian. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
That's incredible. So tell us a little bit about, let's go back to your personal experience. You're with this group. You're in there. You're traveling for, you know, about six-ish years. Um, what happened to, to, to change you? What happened to bring you out of that? How did that process start? Going to jail um, was a step. That was one of the first times I remember, you know, whenever I was back in jail, um, that happened multiple times in multiple states. Um, I remember doing, you know, I served, I think, three months one time for distribution and reading the Bible. And I got into this Christian group. And at the time, I think I was 24. And I, every time I had to read the Bible, I had to replace God with love. You know, and I read Purpose Driven. And I was in chapter 27, 28, talking about uh, using opportunity as, um, as a chance to, to do better. It's not, it's not a, a chance to do bad or, or good, but it's a chance to, it is a chance to do good. So I took that and decided to cut my dreads off. It timed with my mom's birthday um, that week. So I cut my dreads off and she comes to visit me. And all of a sudden, you know, she kind of sees her son, I think. Mm. Not, you know, this um this guy that's been on the road for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I still screwed around and messed up after that moment. But that was, you know, a baby step. Yeah. I think that's good for people to hear too, right? <clears throat> Not everybody has some, you know, uh, Paul on the Damascus Road moment, right? Most of our stories, it is, it takes a couple wake-up calls. Kind of we keep uh, hitting the snooze button, right? Yeah. We get a wake-up call, and then we kind of doze back, and we get another wake-up call. Okay, so, and you said you, you grew up going to church before you guys moved to Virginia. Mm -hmm. So, um, your parents, Christians? Yeah. Mom coming to visit you there. Okay. Um, so tell me about, you said whenever you read God, you had to replace it with the word love. Explain that. I think that goes to coming out of a philosophy class in college, hearing the debates, um, you know, how was religion created? And then they start formulating their, um, their arguments. You know, here it was created by a carpenter and a bunch of men, and they've created this movement, you know, and I was buying into the, that whole thing. Mm, interesting. Know? So you were, you had kind of bought into that secular university, uh, liberalism, atheism, if you will. Yep. Right. Um, and, but you're in jail now. You're in jail reading the Bible but you're not wanting to fully read it. You know what? The first scripture I think I've read in a long time was I met a gentleman, <clears throat> another, uh, he was a Rasta and he was like, so yeah. why do he goes, why do you have dreads? You know? So he thought you were, so I stuck up my middle finger and I said, you know, it's kind of that move to the government, you know, mm. I'm just going to be me. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, you're not a Nazarite. What do you mean? He said, well, Samson. So I don't like, the only thing I know of Samson uh, is from the Grateful Dead song, Samson and Delilah. Mm. <laughs> and um, the Grateful Dead, they do have uh, quite a few songs about the Bible, you know, Brother Esau. Um, anyway, back to that story. 
that made me go find in Judges. And I always remember that Samson was in the book of Judges and read that story. And then that was probably one of the first times really reading the scripture, you know, in a long time. Mm. You know, throughout the New Testament, there's so many moments where God is using people in jail. Yep. There's a lot of jail in the New Testament, right? Um, I'm reading through book of Acts right now, and, and they're always in and out of jail, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's so cool, so powerful uh, how God is using jail as a big part of your story. So you're there, you're reading the Bible, you're cutting off your dreads. What happens next for you? Well, immediately after that, I got a tattoo <laughs> in jail. Of what? It's a steely face of the Grateful Dead. Oh, you got a dead, dead tattoo. But it has a moon on it that's like a yin-yang. So it symbolized a day of change. Um, My wife and I kind of talk about our walk with the Lord. And like you said, it's not one day, here's my come to Jesus moment. Um, It's been a slow and steady road of slowly plucking out behaviors, plucking out hairs. Mm -hmm. I think to help us, you know, realize... um, you know, one step at a time, we don't realize it as we're going through it. But all of a sudden you look back, um, two years ago, where was I, you know, two years from today, you know, I was, um, I was really in a dark place. You know, my marriage was falling apart. Um, at this point really gotten into a bad cocaine habit. Um, my wife was going to leave me. Um, the Lord was with me though. Um, I had just finished the New Testament and sent a message um, through a chat room. I, I found out Sunshine was back in Richmond. Um, I grew up with Sunshine. And so I sent a message to his wife. His wife gave me his number. I got his number. And two years before that, I, I knew that he was walking with the Lord. We, we randomly met in Chesapeake on the job when he was working the terminal down there. And so I reached out to him and we chatted and at the very end of it, I said, by the way, I just finished the new Testament. Hmm. And then that's when he said, man, you should come out and check out this group. Um, it was intimidating. I'm not a guy, you know, I've played baseball. I'm athletic. Um, not, not a gym rat, not a, um, very physical. I'm like, man, this is these workout videos. (laughs) They look tough. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, I went. And I was hooked. Um, I think a couple guys got their their coins that day. Um, three days later, or not three days, but three weeks later, I could go up and get my call signed because at that time, Bravo was doing you know three weeks. Yeah. Um, and so I remember talking to Chief, like, okay, I got my call signed. I'm like, I'm ready to do my creed. <laughs> He's like, nah. He's like, slow down, buddy. Slow. <laughs> you have to wait. You have to wait, you know, a couple months. Um, That's awesome. But I remember getting up that morning at like 4 a.m. or whatever, rehearsing that creed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could have done it. It would have been slow and steady. I might have had the second time. But yeah. did, uh, did the fact that it's outdoors, it's around a fire, did that feel comfortable to you? It did. And you know what felt more comfortable was meeting um, – and like what Sunshine said, strong Christian men. When mm-hmm. I looked around the fire, I saw people um, that had, I had never really thought 
would be um, in a Christian group, you know, mm-hmm. they looked authentic. And then after the first meeting, you know, a gentleman came up to me, said he was a deadhead, you know, cause yeah. I was sharing at the fire kind of my, what brought me there and some things. Um, and that was chief and chief is kind of, he've always been there as a wingman for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone I look up to a lot. Yeah. He was, he was a long haired hippie. I hear stories. <laughs> yeah, that's all I heard. Man, I hear some stories. That's, a, that's amazing. I'm I'm so uh, enthralled right now in your story. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We talk about you reading the New Testament and cocaine and marriage too. How how did how did uh, Baller find a wife and get married and move out of the woods and get a job? So all that yeah. when we come back from this. Hey guys, did you know that every penny of money donated to Men's Alliance goes directly in to spreading Men's Alliance? Did you know that we don't have a building that we're paying for and we don't pay any salaries? That's right. I'm not making any money. Fresh is not making any money. Shadow is not making any money. None of us are getting paid for Men's Alliance. We're all volunteering our time. We all work other jobs. And everything that you donate to Men's Alliance goes into our podcast. It goes into our website. It goes into our tribe launch training events. It goes into our presence at the Ignite Conference. Everything we do helps launch more tribes so that more men around the country can come out of isolation, out of their comfort zones and into something real. So we have already launched eight tribes in just the first three months of 2023. We've already doubled where we were at last year and last year we had 300 growth so guys men's alliance is blowing up god is spreading our fire and we need your support we need your help we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us on this mission right we could do it alone but part of our creed says we do not struggle alone so we're literally offering you the opportunity to reap the eternal reward with us on this venture. We want you to come alongside of us and help us grow. We are a 501c3. We are a nonprofit. Your donation to us is tax deductible. And I'll tell you what, we are not building buildings. We are outdoors. We have very little overhead. Your donations go into training men how to be better ambassadors, how to lead their families spiritually. We believe in this mission. There's nothing like this in the country. There's no ministry like this around where men meet in person weekly, leading workouts, leading devotions, learning how to give the gospel, learning how to lead their families in devotions, and learning how to answer the tough questions that their older kids are going to bring them about Christianity. So we are asking for your support to partner with us so that we can continue to reach more men. Okay, welcome back. Um, while we were just grabbing our coffee there, we were we were listening to some some dead music. <laughs> and uh, and Shadow was trying was, to get schooled up. Shadow yeah. was finding out what it the Grateful Dead is. What I thought it was a little bit of one I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, real real quick, Shadow, what what did you think it was versus what was it? Well, what I know of them, like when you see like you know, posters and artwork, it's like skeletons and 
teddy bears flowers and rainbows so it's like what is this about you know right. i didn't really know what to expect but i didn't expect what i heard it was just like flower music basically you know just like jimmy buffett kind hanging of chill, out, happy. chill yeah it was like yeah. real laid back it's, it's i thought it was music. gonna be more like i don't even know like a death you metal. know yeah like not death metal but like a 80s 90s like grunge band or something you yeah. know and that was my first impression. Yeah. I remember a bus driver, Miss um, Pike. She drove. Like uh, Alice in Chains or something. I guess I assumed it would be more like. Yeah. And so I remember seeing the stickers and the names. I'm like, oh, bus drivers on this goth band, you know, because at the time, middle school, Marilyn Manson was around and uh, Smashing Pumpkins and all those guys. Yeah. And Okay. So we're talking mid 90s. Yeah. Late 90s. Yeah. Right around there. And, um, I guess Garcia probably had just died, but you know, my first show was 2000. So I hadn't gotten into that yet. Mm -hmm. had no idea. Um, my first song, I think, uh, like most people was Casey Jones, mm -hmm. you know, and touch of gray, which we just listened to. Yeah. Um, but there is definitely an element of, uh, it's not dark. It does talk about death, but that was one of the things Garcia talked about, you know, the light and the dark side of, of life. Um, that also within darkness and death, there is beauty. Um, but it's the colorful um, energy that people um, are attracted to. Mm -hmm. And it's a collective movement. And I think everybody is, you know, is in tune to that movement and thought. Um, and it's a culture, mm -hmm. you know. So you're in that culture. And uh, tell us briefly. Um, you don't have to go into a bunch of detail if you don't want to, but, um, how did you meet your wife? Cause I'm curious how you get married when you're hitchhiking around the, around the country. Oh, I didn't get, <laughs> I did not get married when I was hitchhiking around the country. You know, I had girlfriends, um, nothing, nothing sustainable. Um, you know, we would, we probably made it, you know, a tour, <laughs> Yeah. but the ups and downs of the roads and being broke, um, not having a car here and there, um, and struggles uh nobody was attached to anything so relationships mm -hmm. were really hard to maintain mm -hmm. at that age my okay. wife and i actually met in high school um and it's a perfect setting because we were in a myths and legends class it was a senior class really easy the guy would uh show a video you know we would learn about for instance star wars we'd study <laughs> the cast of star wars oh and then gosh. we'd watch star wars you know sign me up yeah basically keep these guys in school <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so I met Rachel um in high school and she went back to St. Croix and spent time down there. And then I still remember the day that I remember um in Richmond I was working with a guy and he said, "Yeah, I'm hanging out in Chester with these with these kids." Happened to be mention Rachel Welch. You know, my heart fluttered a little bit and I was like, "Man, <laughs> she's back." You know. Um at the time, I think I was had gotten into a, another relationship down the road, um, and as that was was ending, I, I got brought back to Richmond. Um, it was another kind of breakdown, um, emergency kind of uh, move, another way of God saying this is not the way. I had gotten back in. Um, I was going back to school and I was doing really well. I had gone through a breakup. Summer comes, here I go again back on tour at like 26, 28, somewhere, somewhere like that. Um, <clears throat> had to 
come back to Richmond. Um, did some jail time, had to go into Tucker's um, because of that. Um, kind of like a drug-induced schizophrenia. What's Tucker's? Yeah, what's Tucker's? Tucker's is at Chippenham Hospital, the mental okay. uh, padded room. Uh, okay, cool. Some people use it for, uh, you know, kind of emergent sobriety, but it's a mental health facility. Right. That's at uh, Chippenham Hospital. Okay. <clears throat> and so then I had gotten another job. Um, I was getting back on my feet, pulling myself out of the mud uh, again, because um, years of drug use, you're always reinventing yourself and you just can't uh, give up. And I, I know, and God knows, I, I tried to give up a couple of times, uh, especially right before that moment. Um, I had broken up with this girlfriend. She had cheated on me. Um, I tried multiple times to end it. And I remember one time, you know, it's just, I remember this thought in my head that says, God's got something better for you. We're not doing it right now. Mm. Um, and so I come back to Richmond though, um, re kind of rebuilding my confidence, rebuilding myself as a person. I got a job, Rachel and I started dating and, um, and then I got a full-time job with that full-time job. I, uh, ended up buying a house. Rachel and I got more serious. Um, we got married. And then we start, we had my first son, Theo, and he's five years old now. Mm. And my daughter's three. So now we have two kids. You know, I've got a wife and I got a house. Um, it's been a struggle. Um, but I look at myself now and I look back how um, slowly but surely God has removed um, a lot of vices in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and really hopefully setting us up for a future uh, where I can lead uh, a strong family, you know, be a good example for my kids, not just um, someone to be a friend. And, you know, yeah, my dad was a, you know, alcoholic drug user. Mm -hmm. He's a nobody kind of thing. So let's go back to the part of the story where you're reading through the new Testament. Yeah. This was what you said about, Two years ago? Two, three, yeah. Because I've been on this journey now. Um, now I'm in, in the middle of Ezekiel. I'm trying to finish the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm motoring through. Um, yeah. So typically my mornings, I get up at you know 4 or 5 a.m. and I, I read 20 minutes. If I, if I don't dedicate that time, I know I won't pick up the Bible or any book You know, as the day progresses. Yeah, I'm the same way. If it doesn't happen uh, first thing in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so back to finishing the New Testament, talking to Sunshine, he invited me to Men's Alliance. Um, and then was the birth of Baller. You know. Yeah. Um, yes. I got around the fire and around these guys, um, these fathers, and realized some of the things, uh, how much I was letting down my family. And there's little things. I was getting up early. I was getting myself into morning routines, but there was little things that. I could do as a father and a husband that man was I dropping the ball, you know, like I would get up and I could, um, I could read to myself. I could walk the dog. I could do things for myself, mm -hmm. but damn, like if I'm up that early, why couldn't I go start the car for my wife? Why can't I have coffee ready for her? Why can't I have oatmeal ready for her to take, to take to her job when she leaves at six 15 in the morning? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then leading, you know, my kids and, and being present for them and dropping the drugs, you know, 
by the time I got to men's Alliance, I think I was two or three weeks off of cocaine and I was had a pretty, I'd stumbled into a pretty bad habit. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it, it's cool how like one step leads you to the next step. Right. And yeah. sometimes when you look, when you stand back and you look at the whole journey, it can seem daunting. Right. Or you look back on it and you're like, how did I make it this far? Right. But it's always just one step. Right. Yeah. Like you, you started just one thing and then well, that leads to another thing. And then you're like, well, if I can do that for me, why can't I do a little more? Um, so tell us just a little bit about um, what it was like going from first time going to men's alliance, getting a call sign like the early stage to you leading a devotion. And what I was want, that process? And I want to know how you, like how you got your calls. <laughs> okay. So baller uh, comes from my history of playing baseball. Okay. Um, I think I don't mainly, I think it was from that, but also, um, you know, I told my history about living on the road and being a hustler. Um, nice. And so I, you know, I hustled drugs and I also hustled. I've always, had a hustle. Yeah. yeah. You're a hard worker. Yeah. I you're try. A worker. <laughs> yeah. So it's not eight baller. No, no, it's not eight baller. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so, uh, so getting my call sign, that was, uh, kind of really felt like I was part of the tribe. Yeah. You know, and I, um, one of the, I think one of the things my dad always taught me was to be a leader you know, in baseball and I'm not the biggest guy. Um, but you don't have to be the biggest guy on the field to be a leader. Um, for sure. And so I think I not initially with the encouragement of men's Alliance, you guys want us to step up and lead. Um, cause it's not just men's Alliance. It's stepping up to lead your family on a trip. That's right. Stepping up to, uh, it's a lot of things, you know, I want to go on a trip, but then you can start blocking yourself before you even get started mm-hmm. packing the car, planning where you're going to sleep, what you're going to eat, you know, the driving route. Cause that's, that's my job. And you know, I don't let her touch the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I find so many, so many men, I think this is like an American cultural thing, um, are so hands off when it comes to planning their family trips. Right. And you look at it, it's this weird thing. Like the wife will make all the plans. She'll make all the reservations. She'll map the way she'll know where they're stopping. She'll, know where they're have the meals planned here's what i've planned here's what i've packed here's where we're stopping here's where we're going and the guy's just like okay. self-loading baggage yeah. right just climbs in the car like he's one of the kids and even if he is driving he doesn't know the plan it's like the wife is leading the family in the absence of of the man right because he's asleep on the sideline and you see this happen in like like you're saying like road trips or vacations or whatever. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, except that's uh, emblematic of what's going on spiritually in the, in the family too. Yeah. Right. And, and that's part of why, you know, we, we encourage men to lead so much at men's alliance, lead a workout, lead a devotion, build the fire, put the fire out, right? Like do the things that you know need to be done don't just show up every week and be a spectator at men's alliance. Right. Because I think that we get men awake and off the sideline at men's alliance, that's going to overflow back to their family and to their church. Right. We want men leading their families and we want men leading and involved and volunteering at church too. 
And that's what I'm hearing you say was it was a piece of it. Yeah, I think a lot of going back to the road trip things. Why do you look around and you know why are so many husbands like miserable because they're not leading, they're not doing the activities that they want to do. It's what the wife wants to do. Mm -hmm. um, we could take charge and do a better job of that. And you I know, think I just gotta say that's why so many men don't have good male friends. Also, because the only male friends they've got are the friends of their, of wives. their wives right it it's like works. the wives get together because the wives are friends and then the men just hang out by default with yeah. each other it's like well so i guess we're date. friends yeah yep. play date yeah. friends yeah right it's <laughs> like i guess we're supposed to be buddies now because our wives are and it's like what you're saying is like here's a novel idea you could go make your own friends right you could lead your family on a vacation to a place you want to go if you like fishing, take your family fishing. If you like camping, take them camping. If you don't like these dudes that you're hanging out with at all your wives' events, go make your own friends. Join men's lunch, right? So there's this whole theme here about start living. Like wake up, right? Yeah. Wake up and start living. Yeah. Go do the things that you want to do. Okay, so how did you get to talk talk about the uh, leading of your first devotion so the first devotion went um how long were you going to men's alliance before you did your first devotion i want to say maybe uh i got my call sign in january it started in october of 21 yeah and um i think the first testimony was maybe three, three months later, two months later, I think it was. And That's I just, good. I wanted, you know, I was encouraged to, to give my story and right. give my testimony. And, um, with the testimony, I think, um, there was a, uh, there's a piece of scripture that sticks out of my head. Um, you know, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, yeah, acted like a child, right. Did childish things. Um, that really made me realize, especially with my drug use, um, that's really adolescent teenage behavior. Um, as a father, as a leader in my family, I need to, um, can't be doing this type of stuff. And then that verse goes on to say, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that was very symbolical of my journey and where it had, had become, um, you know, and as we said, we slowly, lose these behaviors. Um, you know, went from, I was a smoker. I quit smoking cigarettes. It's been probably seven, seven years. So there's one bad behavior out right. the window. Um, there was this cocaine habit that I had gotten into and with the cocaine habit also as many men. And as I was preparing my devotion, you know, pornography was a thing, not just, you know, hardcore type por pornography, but Instagram, you know, fitness yeah. models, you know, mm. there's different levels of, pornography lust lust Different. exactly yeah. and what i found out was i'm putting these childish things away how much more rich my real life got uh, my wife and i our sex life you know has gotten better it's not perfect you know but we're working on it yeah. it's definitely a lot better from where i started yeah you know i can tell you that so bring us back to what you started talking about at the beginning pain from childhood being abused, spent years trying to mask it with drugs, 
with concerts. Now you're now how are you handling it? How how are you handling it now that there's no there's no chemicals? So what sticks out in my mind is giving it to God. Let God be in control. Um I can't control what happens to him. Life caught up to him. He got caught. Um, he's paying for his um atrocities, his violations. Um good. And so, you know, God caught up to him. You know, I've got to forgive him. I've got to forgive myself. The only way to do that is to give it to God. Um, so I try not to beat myself up as much as I can. Um, right. And if I hadn't gone through these experiences, I'm not the man I am today. And continually to try to do better. Yeah. And so as a 40-year-old, I'm constantly trying to do better. I mean, I've got a lot more to work on. And that kind of gives me the motivation um, you know, get out there at 6 a.m. for Bravo to help start fires and, you know, to do what I can to do better. Yeah. And you don't struggle alone. No, <laughs> no, no. That's um, for sure. And being around the fire, you definitely hear that and you understand that. And the more conversations you have with people in the Lord, I think you, you understand that the word is a comfort. And the word has brought us together. Nobody's perfect. Um, yep. And the more you can get people to open up, the more uh, help that you receive and you can give to other people. Giving and receiving help is a, is a big part of the uh, deadhead culture too. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a tribe. Yeah. You know, and, and they've got each other's backs and they're not perfect. They've got their flaws for sure. But, you know, I think it speaks to the, the desire that we all have. We want to belong to a tribe. Yeah. Right. And we, we want to have brothers that are there to help us when things get hard. And I can see the appeal. I can totally get it. Totally see the appeal to being a deadhead. And they use the word, you know, family. Yeah. Um, and in other extents, the men's Alliance family is Mm -hmm. what I love too. Um, being 40 years old, I've got, um, there's 50 year olds, 60 and 70 year olds to look up to and talk to. Yeah. People like drive. People like, uh, like Chief, people like you and Shadow. Um, and then there's the younger generation. And then there's people just having their first kid. You know, yeah. I've had my kids five and three years ago, and I can, man, remember it like yesterday, and I can give them words of wisdom. Um, you know, people like Diesel that's having yeah, I was younger kids, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love the multi-generational part of Men's Alliance. Got men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s yeah. around the fire. You know, there's another part that I just thought of that's kind of a similarity between the deadhead culture and men's alliances. There's just this little piece of it that's a little bit contrary, a little bit outside the norm, yeah. right? Kind of like you've got the mainstream church, small group, Sunday school crowd over here, and then you got this weird group outside around a fire flipping tires. Yeah. Right. And there's just this little bit of we would rather be a little bit outside doing something a little bit different subculture um, that I think is an appeal to certain people. Yeah. You know, having the young kids and a wife that works a schedule that rotates, she works the weekends a lot. So I had to um, sometimes I couldn't go on Sunday, but if I could go there on Saturday, because um, my mom would come over, she knew my struggles as well. So she's being supportive you know, in a lot of ways, she'll come over, um, to my house at six fifteen in the morning. 
uh, to sit with the kids while they sleep so I can come to Bravo because wow. she's seen how much of an impact yeah. it's been. Um, awesome. That's great. And I, um, that's one of the, I think that Saturday morning is more to church was more church to me than Sunday. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, I physically and mentally spiritually could get more out of that hour um, than sitting you know, sometimes in the hallway, but <laughs> sometimes in the back row, front row, yeah. it doesn't really matter. But you know, that Saturday morning, uh, that is the church, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, I'm going to share a story about you that I've never told you. Um, yeah. So by the way, this has been surprising how long we've talked without you saying an F-bomb. You've come a long way. <laughs> I'm like, we haven't had to edit anything yet. Um, yeah. Because, man, when I first met you, it was so funny. Every other word was an F-bomb. And um, I was referring to you as F-bomb baller. <laughs> and so when I first met you and and, uh, and your, your call sign was baller, I was like, F-bomb baller. And um, so here's the funny part. The first time you led a devotion <laughs> was also the first time that the pastor at the chapel went to a men's alliance. Oh, yeah. It was Joel. Okay. It was Joel's first men's alliance. And he texted me that day and because I had been trying to get him to go for a long time. Yeah. And he texted me and he said, hey, man, I finally went today. I went this morning. It was amazing. Yeah. And I pulled up the roster because I wanted to see, oh, you went? Let's see who you just heard. Let's yeah. see who you just said. Yeah. And I opened up the roster and it <laughs> said, devotion, baller. And um, <laughs> I texted him and I said. After a face palm. <laughs> I said, no, no face palm at all. Quite the opposite. Uh, like, I'm super proud. Um, I was like, so how many F-bombs were dropped during the devotion this morning? He freaking died laughing. It was so funny. <laughs> Um, and he's, I think his answer was something like more than one or something. <laughs> he said something funny, but my response, and this is what I love about men's Alliance. I said, yeah, but you know what the cool thing is? He's leading a devotion yeah, at men's Alliance. Yeah. Right. And, and he didn't wait like two years. And to that's, do it. Yeah. that's what men's Alliance yeah. is. Right. It's, it's, uh, none of us are perfect. And I, quite frankly, I, I could care less if a guy says whatever word right that's real that's authentic if you say yeah. if you say uh whatever damn or or whatever uh monday through saturday and then you don't say it in church on sunday right that's yeah. where cr christians get this label of being hypocrites hip, hip, from hip, hip, yeah. acting one way on sunday then they do the rest of the week yeah and so it means alliance you know a part of our motto is real, right? Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I don't care if you if you if you smoke smoke at Men's Alliance, if you dip dip at Men's Alliance, if you swear swear at Men's Alliance, because it's not about our outward appearances and our sound; it's about our heart. Yeah, and and God knows your heart, and that's what God cares about. So we want to be the same way. Yes, yeah, yeah. and that's been very encouraging. And I know you and I had a conversation about cussing and that. And yeah, like man, well, we need people like you. That's right. <laughs> You can see the sharpening happening and yeah. that sharpening was uh, also with the help of next. Um, he's been like a big brother in a way. Um, we, we read purpose driven together. Um, we're always holding each other accountable. Um, I cannot keep up with that guy. <laughs> I don't know who can. No, he's, he's, uh, he's like, um, Brutus 
they're they're like hummingbirds yeah like how where yeah. are they getting this energy how are yeah. they doing so much yeah you know i look at him and i i, I turn my eye and he's already ran around me twice but he would uh i told him at one point you know every time that you hear the f-bomb i need to i need to owe you five burpees yeah that's perfect <laughs> and so five burpee penalty are. should so be the tribe standard we're, we'll yeah. be talking to people especially uh newcomers and i'm talking and here comes here it comes <laughs> and i drop down and you do just five start doing burpees, burpees. in the middle They're of like, a conversation what is going on i'm like i gotta do it you know and i'm trying trying to help you know trying to help myself you know that's too funny i yeah. love it i love when dudes cuss their during like devotions or <laughs> yeah bonsai was well come on out too. to bravo oh, yeah yep. for for sure <laughs> bonsai, dude. yeah i love that dude he'd be he'd be preaching and just throwing f-bombs yeah that's what i love about men's alliance <laughs> i know it's so but it's yeah. so real shout out to bronx that's joel's uh call sign. there yeah. you go bronx, bronx. bronx. Yeah. all right well man you have got such this incredible story i know we could probably do you know a whole a whole series of podcasts on your your uh misadventures <laughs> with the dead right um but so much of your theme is trying to mask pain yeah trying to mask pain with things that don't last right seasons ended concerts end drugs wear off right yeah and you're trying to you spent years uh trying to self-medicate with stuff uh that, that doesn't that doesn't last and then you know you found what does right and, and part of your journey to what to what lasts started in a in a jail cell yeah and, and reading reading the bible and now you found that you don't need any of the other stuff you don't need the chemicals you don't need the the music you don't need the highs all you need is god right and and with that god uses other people yeah right god brings people into our lives to help us to sharpen us like you were saying next is like a brother to you and how much he's helped you and you never would have found him you know, if you had a stayed at home struggling by yourself. Yeah. And also it's come full circle. You know, I've been blessed to be able to go inside of the Chesterfield County jail. Thanks to sneaky. Um, yeah, I was going to ask God, if man, you were been, part of redemption. Yeah, absolutely. So you're um, going back in, going back in the same yard, same place. I was playing basketball, same smells, redemption tribe. Yeah. 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 Same smells, same pe like people have changed, you know, different faces, but pretty much everyone's the same. Um, yeah you know people need uh they're just in a bad part in their life and what i love about america it's about second chances yeah you know and you can't give up hope you know and i think that's one of the best things i find out in the bible um and i have to remind myself every day to get back into the word you know because that only lasts so long you know and i read in the morning and you know come one o'clock and two o'clock in the afternoon you know i really probably need to reread again because it you know the morning time i could totally forget what I read, you know, what was going on. Um, but every, every morning I try to get back into it to develop that relationship. Well, that's awesome, man. And, uh, this Saturday Bravo tribe is leading the all tribes, right? Yeah. yeah. So we got an all tribes, Virginia, all tribes this Saturday and, um, big workout, big breakfast. Yeah, unfortunately though, I've got a commitment oh. to my four and five year olds. Um, I will be sleeping out, you know, putting a cap on with the patch class. 
on yep. Friday night. Yep. And then I've got a um, bunch of four and five year olds okay. that need my leadership. Well, there you go. Out man. on the baseball field. Well, there you go. Um, and I've got to keep that's that your, commitment. I was going to say that's, that's your noble mission. Yeah. Um, right. And that's also a shout out to you um, and chief and sunshine to even allow myself to coach um, with my background and having a, um, the background that I have, um, it was an obstacle just to get my coaching card to coach in Chesterfield County. They had denied me. Um, and we had to go through appeals and yep. with, um, letters, you know, of respectable people from our community like yourself, um, and other people, it, um, it opened the door to allow me to do this. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you're able, uh, to be out there with your kids coaching on, on this Saturday morning, um, right after, you know, we're, we're, we've got patch class Friday night. It's yeah. going to be awesome. And then you're going to be out there, uh, doing right. What God wants you to be doing right where he has you. Um, we'll miss you at the all tribes, but I know that, um, you're, you're on your mission field. So that's great, man. And Hey, listen, I appreciate you sharing your story and being real and being candid with us. Um, you, you bring so much to men's Alliance. Uh, you've sharpened so many men through your presence. And I look forward to uh, being able to see you at the Men's Alliance fire again. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.